Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We've got it ready today with Kevin Bullock. He's the CEO of Anaconda Mining. They're a gold producer on the TSXV. Uh, we talk about uh, last year, $41 million of cash produced, record year for them, just double the size of their resource. They've got production, development, and exploration. We talk about how they're going to move things forward. Um, fascinating conversation. Uh, if you want our thoughts and opinions on the company, the projects, um, and the conversation in general, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There's commentary from experts from all around the world, some fascinating insights, plus uh, training courses on there to help you with your diligence process. We've done summaries of other interviews that we've done just to save you some time because we know you're busy. And if you fancy joining a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe, friendly environment, free from trolling and abuse, uh, you can do that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Kevin, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. How are you? Long time. Long time. Well, I'm good. First of all, thank you very much for asking. But we saw you at the beginning of December, but uh, you've had a bit, bit more good news. You keep delivering. So uh, hence the call. Yes, we made some promises back then about uh, uh, infill drilling and extending the, um, the, the resources at Goldboro, uh, as well as trying to find uh, additional ore at our operation in Newfoundland uh, in and around the current infrastructure that we have. And, and we've achieved both. So it's a good time to, and I'm happy to be here to provide an update. Good, 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 good. Okay, well, let, let's just kind of paint the picture of all the kind of moving parts, and then we can sort of hone in on it later. So give us that one minute overview for people who haven't heard the story before. Yeah, so Anaconda is uh, focused in Atlantic Canada in two provinces, Newfoundland and Nova Scotia. We have a producing operation in Newfoundland that's been going for 10 years plus, producing between 15 and 20,000 ounces a year. It's a small production profile and that alone was Anaconda in the past, but we've put forth a great uh, aggressive growth strategy to become 150,000 ounce a year producer. So currently we're 15 to 20, um, but we've really moved our Goldboro Gold project in Nova Scotia forward quite rapidly. And we'll talk about that a bit. So. Production in, in Newfoundland, uh, an exploration property just east of that that's truckable to our infrastructure in Newfoundland that's quite exciting, and a development project at Goldboro that uh, just recently has grown by over uh, by 100% in the total ounces, which is an incredible increase for a 43-101 resource. Absolutely. So let's break that down because a, a few moving parts there. Again, I'm just concerned about the people who have not heard the story before. So let's deal with the production component first because that is your ATM. That's your cash machine, which is going to provide future growth. Okay. So uh, why don't we talk about that? You've had a good year. The revenues are, well, re record year for you guys. Why don't you tell us about yeah, that? Yeah, we had a record year, 41 million in revenues. Um, that translated into over 20 million in EBITDA at the project level. Uh, and also generated $14 million in, uh, in cash flow from operations. So a fantastic year for us. And that just provides non-dilutive funds for growth uh, in our strategy to, to move to be a much bigger producer. Absolutely. And it's, it's, had a, it's got a short life of mine, but it's always had a it's short a life sh of mine. <laughs> it's, it's got a short life of mine and it has for 10 years. Um, we've always had two to four years ahead of us for the last 10 years, and we currently have two years ahead of us. We're mining from one particular open pit called Argyle, and that's got about two years capacity. However, we've discovered uh, an extension to a past uh, producing pit that we have called Stoggard Tight, and uh, we're infill drilling that now. And the original, the original um, 
holes that we drilled into that on the discovery ranged from three to six grams over 15 to 20 meters right near surface. So we're really excited about infilling that and expanding that. And we truly believe that will be our next mine at Point Roos. So how, so how does that work? Because I read, I read the grades, you know, what is it, what is it, six and a half over 16 meters, 2.8 over eight meters, you know, some nice high grade stuff going on there. But how, how do you join those things up? Where, where's the economies of scale come from? Yeah, so it's so it's different than what we're used to. It's it's almost flat lying subsurface. So it actually didn't have a surface geochemical expression. It had a a low order IP anomaly, a geophysical anomaly. And we drilled it because it was close to what we produced in the past and thought, you know, what is this? And it continues and it kind of undulates under the surface, um, which which allows for us to extend it laterally without going uh, too deep. So that's looking really, really good. And we continue to drill that and uh, we'll have news flow on those results over time. Um, but it's, it's, we believe it's going to add something similar to the Argyle or previous starter type to the mine life, another one to three years. Okay, so, so that's, that's quite nice. So how much more uh, money are you spending on that before you can you know, pull the trigger? Yeah, we're, we're spending uh, about uh, another million dollars on, on infill drilling. We continue to, on an ongoing basis, update the Whittle shells or the block model, and it keeps, keeps expanding uh, until we get a point that we think we've reached the limits, and then we'll infill to upgrade categories within that pit shell. Okay, that, that'll be interesting to see how that develops. So uh, time frame, when, when, when do you think you're going to be able to start telling us a bit more about how, the, how you progress with that? Well, as, as some people will know and others won't, um, to get assays back from the labs lately in Eastern Canada, because it's such a hot spot now, it takes some time. So uh, it, it's, it's like six to eight weeks now. Um, but we have been drilling for quite some time. So we will have some results out soon, uh, probably within the next uh, three to four weeks. And then they'll continue to flow because the timeline has started on, on receiving them back. So I, w- I would say in the next month or so, we should have some results. Right. So that's Argyle and Stogger tight. So that we're looking at is that one, one package. Next one I want to talk about before we can sort of look back at this thing is uh, Tilt Cove. Okay. We talked about that last time. Correct. Tilt Cove is very exciting. Um, we've actually added since we spoke another 15 kilometers of strike distance to the south. So we now have 45 kilometers of an entire greenstone belt that straddles a past producing mine called Nugget Pond that produced at just under 10 grams per ton average grade. We're currently making uh, $20 million EBITDA mining one and a half grams. Imagine putting five to 10 grams through with a discovery at Tilt Cove similar to the Nugget Pond. We have 13 quality targets. Uh, the first one we're going after is a land-based target because the, the ponds are not frozen yet. We wanna drill on some ponds which cr- are created by the cross-cutting structures. So they're, uh, they're created depressions. We need the ice to drill on those and we're waiting for that. But right now we're on a ground uh, target which is called Growler. And we've just finished the first hole of an eight hole program. And we look forward to, again, receiving results in anywhere from six to eight weeks and, and putting news out on that program. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a very, very exciting area because it's uh, past producing high grade and we can transition and leverage off our existing infrastructure at the mill uh, that we have uh, because it is truckable distance and quality roads. So, you know, we don't have to find something big enough that would have a standalone infrastructure because, and we don't have to permit as long for tailings or anything because we already have that infrastructure at Point Bruce. Are these companies price gouging, these assay labs? Because it sounds, sounds like they're high <laughs> demand 
It's long, long wait list. You can't jump to the front of the queue. It's probably not worth it, is it? Well, um, we have the longest relationship with, with Eastern Analytical, one of the labs out there, and we're a preferential customer. But we're, we're actually, uh, so we're actually fast tracking results from Goldboro. Um, so when we put our Tilt Cove assays in, they say, no, there's some other company ahead of you called uh, Anaconda with the Goldboro. Uh, assays. Well, that's us too. So, um, you know, we, we push the Goldboro results because that is our development project and uh, we are delayed like everybody else with the other results. Okay. So this basically you're, you're expanding and consolidating at Tilt Cove. Again, talk to me about timing of wh- where are you at now and what's the, what's the timing of how things progress? Yeah. So we've spent a year developing targets um, with geophysics, geochemistry, mapping, and we're now knocking them off one by one with a 10,000 meter drill program. So we're on our second target. Uh, the first target that we drilled, we were successful in finding mineralization. It just happened to be more copper dominant than gold um, because there are previous copper mines in the area as well. So we're on to the second one, Growler, uh, which doesn't have surface expressions of, of copper. So we're, it's, it's a gold only target uh, and we're looking it's brand new, never been drilled, uh, wasn't identified till we mapped it as uh, Nugget Pond Horizon, which is the horizon that we find the gold in. So a brand new target generated by us. And uh, as I said, the first hole went in of an eight hole program. Right. Because okay, I'm always intrigued by how you go about planning these things, because it's quite close to the mill, right? It's about 40, what, 40, 45 kilometers from the mill, right? Correct. And if you yeah. upgrade the, the the quality of the ore going in there, obviously that's all nothing short of good news. Um, and what, and what are, you, are you discovering anything new? It's a VMS target, but are you discovering anything new about it other than it just extends for 45 kilometers? Uh, we, they are all different different targets. So the, the actual banded iron formation that hosts the Nugget Pond mines stretches for about 30 of those 45 kilometers, but it's cross-cutting structures that form the deposit. So we look, for, we look for structure, we look for geochemical anomalies at that structure because the cross-cutting structures carry... The mineralized fluids, the mineralized fluids hit the banded iron formation, precipitate out the gold and convert magnetite to an iron oxide so that you get a low mag reading. So you put all those together and you look for duplicates of the nugget pond along that trend. So it's not as if the trend stretches, it's the cross-cutting structure. Got it. Thanks for clarifying. Um, okay, Kevin, let's talk about, let's talk about gold because last time we talked, it was quite exciting because you you were talking about an, an underground uh, mine with you know, good grades, et cetera. But you then worked out actually there was a lot of metal contained in there, sort of like in, in a kind of bulk component to this too, which may have allowed you to uh, look at an open pit solution. Obviously, economics are much more attractive. For, you know, it sounds it sounds like a uh, a, a, better, a better way to kind of start the project. So again, how how's that moving? Because you're going to have to try and work out what the, a new set of economics are around that, aren't you? Well, Matthew, it's a step change. I mean, it's it's a material change for us. What happened was. Uh, as we infill drilled and as we uh, 45,000 meters of drilling of infill and remodeled project based on that drilling, we noticed that our actual dilution model turned into an ore model. In other words, between the high grade veins that we were going to go underground and mine, it is actually mineralized at payable metals between half a gram and two grams. Um, and there's a lot of it. It added about 40 percent uh, uh, of the total ounces today. And, and I and I have to I have to say that we're at 2.75 million ounces. The last resource was 1.4. This is a 100% increase. Uh, but more importantly, 
uh, our metallurgical programs, which are feasibility level programs, 33 composite samples throughout the mineralized deposit that we're going to mine, uh, showed that the low-grade mineralization had the same recoveries as the high-grade. In other words, our, our recovery curves are linear, near linear. So the low-grade doesn't drop off in recovery like you would expect and like normally happens. It actually gets over 90% recovery. So the overall recovery, including the low-grade and the high-grade lenses, which is now 2.7 million ounces or 1 million ounces in open pitable material, is a 96% overall recovery. That allowed us to lower our cutoff grade to 0.44 grams per ton because we get so much of the gold out in the process. Uh, and it created these uh, very large pits. And uh, it's looking like we're working towards now uh, the, the translation of, of resources to reserves should look like about 100,000 ounce a year producer for plus 10 years in open pits alone. That's totally different to what we were doing before. So how do we socialize that to the community, to the public, to potential shareholders? You have to put some economics around it to talk about it. So instead of waiting for the DFS, we, we even surprised ourselves with the amount of growth in this deposit. And we thought we'd better get some numbers around it um, that aren't as, as accurate as a DFS, but will be pretty good because we've been working towards the DFS uh, to be able to talk about the economics of the project. So you talked about the permitting component there, because you mentioned something quite interesting in the sense that you're going to have to get the buy-in of the community, et cetera, because an underground mine, very different from big, unsightly, open pit mine. That's the way it's going to be viewed, isn't it? Uh, I don't think it'll be reviewed as, uh, uh, as, as unsightly. I think it'll be looked at as an opportunity for uh, jobs, uh, a lot of jobs, a lot more jobs than the underground. And the community is totally behind us. We've had conversations with the community of Guysborough Council and they're, they're, they're ecstatic that it's bigger. So, you know, more jobs, more money coming in. Um, the, the footprint will be larger than an underground mine because there's more waste, obviously, in an open pit. But we will, we will treat that uh, like we do everywhere, uh, Newfoundland and everywhere else I've worked over the last 35 years. We'll do it. We'll not release anything deleterious into the environment, and we'll go through the stages we have to to be fully permitted. On that note, when we hand in our DFS, our Definitive Feasibility Study, at the end of the year, at or around the same time, we'll be handing in our, econo our, our environmental assessment for review. And that's a six to 18 month process until you get final permits. With a project of this size, let's say 12 to 18 months. So, um, you know, it's a process you go through. We don't have any red flags. Um, there's been some issues with, with permitting in the province, but that's where uh, companies want to permit near uh, either park-like settings or trout-bearing rivers, uh, major rivers. We're in a very industrial area, and uh, we haven't had any opposition uh, against uh, anything we've proposed so far. Okay, so in the context of, you know, the DFS submitted at the end of this year, let's say it's 12 to 18 months, let's say 18 months, you're still getting on with the business of running your business. You're producing cash, you're producing gold, you're producing cash, you're looking at extending the current production uh, side of the operation, you're developing Tilt Cove, um, and again, it's kind of, you seem to have a kind of phased approach to the portfolio, which means that business is not affected per se. So the, the, the length of delays in permitting, not necessarily such an issue for you. 
No, as a matter of fact, we're, we're drilling now, uh, still at Goldboro. We're infill drilling anything that did. I, I might add that the, the, the resource that we put out, uh, the open pit resource of close to 1.1 million ounces is, is what's called whittle constrained. Uh, the way you put out resources today, you have to constrain them with a, a conceptual open pit. And normally you would constrain them to all the ounces, including inferred. Um, until you go to DFS where, you, where you're not allowed to use inferred in a definitive feasibility study. We chose to go with only measured and indicated for the constraints, so we didn't include inferred. Having done that, some inferred fall within the pit because it just is there, uh, but we didn't constrain it using inferred. So it is, uh, we have a lot of potential to grow still from here uh, in and around the pits, an immediate upside. Uh, specifically in the inferred that's on the edges of these pits, with with just more uh, drilling, will 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 convert into measured indicated and come within the pit and, and expand them. But one thing that's really exciting is you get a lot of these flat line uh, stocks when they decide to develop something because okay, it's known it's going to be built, it's going to take time. We're not the same. We have cash flow from another mine. We have exploration until COVID is exciting, but we have one and a half kilometers west of our Goldboro pits that hasn't been tested yet, where we know the mineralization continues to the west for one and a half kilometers to another past producing mine called Dolliver Mountain, which is also on our property. So we have room for another large open pit to the west and we haven't drilled there yet. So there's there's exploration upside on a development project. Do you see, do you think, which I appreciate, and I think that's that's really interesting for you. There's, there's lots of, well, for investors, there's lots of different stage projects to, to look at underpinned by this cash flow, this this ATM of yours. Um, and by that, I mean cash machine in, in the UK. Yeah. Um, do you think that um, your market cap at 134 is a fair reflection? You're, you're producing, let's say, 15, 20,000 ounces, right? It's a fair reflection of where you're at, but it's probably not giving you much credit for the development or exploration, is it? Well, that's another reason to do the PEA, because when the economics are done and we have a, a discounted NA, um, NPV or NAV, uh, for the Gold Girl Gold project and, and what it's worth. Uh, I mean, I can't talk about that yet because it's not done, but but I would bet my bottom dollar it'll be well through what our market cap is, uh, significantly well through. So, um, you know, the value of Gold Girl will be will be realized over time as, as we meet hurdles. And, uh, you know, we're starting from a point, I mean, we're up considerably over the last, last year, probably 400% in our share value. Uh, however, we're 120 million, 130 million market cap Canadian. Uh, that's under under 100 million US, uh, and we've got close to 3 million ounces in, in Nova Scotia. That That is a lot of it's going to be mineable. Over a million ounces is mineable through open pit alone. Um, th- those those metrics don't work for me. I mean, we are, we are, everybody that comes on your show is going to say they're undervalued because we always, as companies, feel we are, but, but, but we can point to it. And we want to point to it when we get this PEA done, and that's due next quarter. Right, so you produced 41 million in cash last year. You're putting that back in the ground, you're putting that back into exploration, you're putting it back into development as, as you should. Um, are you going to need to raise any additional capital, kind of move things forward at a faster pace, or are you kind of good with what you've got? We're fully funded to do all of our programs that we have currently outlined uh, until we get to the point that the feasibility is done. And then we obviously have to go out and do project financing after that. As we continue with our permitting, we'll take the definitive feasibility study and take it to investors. 
to look for project financing. And in a first world for something that will be the highest grade open pit in the, in the Atlantic provinces and the second largest deposit, um, you know, it, it won't be uh, something that's looked at as if it's in some uh, uh, area that's difficult to work in. Right. And do you think you're getting it like a, there's a discount being applied because of where you're at? Or do you think, you know, gold is gold and if we're producing it, it shouldn't matter? No, I think you get discounted if you're in difficult political places or, or, or places that are difficult to work or have a history um, of difficulties. But this is a first world. This is this is Nova Scotia. I mean, this is Canada. You drive on the highway to the site. Um, you know, it's not far from the highway, about seven kilometers on a quality road. There's power to the site. Um, so this would be something that's quite attractive to anybody who wants to finance a project um, because it is a quality project in a first world uh, with with known tax regimes, etc. Um, so it's 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 something that I think would get a premium over time as we uh, not a discount uh, as we get through our hurdles of, of permitting this. Right. It'd be interesting to see, um, you know, how many people start paying attention to you. I mean, that, that resource you just put out, I mean, you d- double the size. It's nice. It's a nice size. And if you're talking the language of trying to be 100,000 ounce of your producer, you're going to get noticed for sure. Um, anyone coming, knocking on your door from the uh, inst- institutional side of things, wondering what you're going to be doing this year or even, quite frankly, in, in, the, in the game themselves? Are they starting well, we are. We are. Uh, we used to be traditionally a retail uh, company because we were fifteen to twenty thousand. Quite honestly, it should have been a private company. We were a fifteen to twenty thousand ounce a year producer, and that was it. Um, now uh, we're getting a lot of institutional interest, and uh, the institutional holdings within our company has stepped up quite a bit. I, I think before you know, since the last time we spoke, we have a very long term holder out of Switzerland uh, purchased five percent of the company, um, and we have other. Uh, several other uh, institutions that are that are buying or looking to buy and talking to us. So, uh, people that wouldn't wouldn't have the time for us before because we were too small for their minimum investment. Um, so it's it's quite exciting the amount of institutions and funds that are looking at us now. Well, that is see that's what interests me, and that's why I asked the question, which is you get a kind of stability through having more institutional holding in there because you know as you know, since the price of gold's dropped off. Precious metals has you know, been hit a little bit. People got distracted by stuff. And re- retail can be a little bit fickle in that way. And that's not necessarily the best thing. So are you consciously going out soliciting these conversations or are they just you know, noticing you because of the, the resource you're putting out and the scale it's of both. projecting? It, it, it's both. We're so proud that we accomplished what we said we'd do, that we're going out trying to tell everybody. Uh, but we're also getting a lot of inbound calls of people saying, what, you know, what's this? It just, you know, how'd you go from something that's 1.4 million to 2.75 and, and, and turn from an underground to an open pit. Um, so, you know, and then people are starting to understand it. And of course the share price is, is reacting accordingly. I mean, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of companies have gone down a little bit over the last week because of the price of gold. And we've, we've actually stayed flat or gone up even. Um, so there is, and our volume has, has increased considerably. Well, that's why we're kind of keen to see you as well. You know, you, you were at 58 cents when we last spoke, uh, whenever that was around the 10th of December, now at 84, 86 or so. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a meaningful move. Um, so what, what should people be looking at for this year if you were to continue this run? Well, uh, the PEA that comes out uh, next, month, uh, next quarter that puts financials, um, that is certainly going to, um, you know, show the robustness of the project. And, uh, and drill uh, results from various targets being, uh, you know, uh, Stogger tight to extend the mine life, Tilt Cove for the future of Point Roos, 
and Goldboro uh, for infill and um, possibly drilling the West for another um, mineralization that might turn into another open. Beautiful. Kevin, thanks for the update. Appreciate it. Keep, keep, when you get some of these numbers back, I mean, do, do uh, call us because um, it's, it's great to see what you're doing there. Appreciate your time today. Speak soon. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.